Welcome to the McGuire Iron Podcast. My name is Brian Cooper. I am the Director of Business Development and Marketing at McGuire Iron and your host for this podcast. At McGuire Iron, we've been helping to store and protect quality water for over 100 years. On this episode, we will discuss taking tanks offline and managing system pressure with Jamie Mays, McGuire Iron's Director of Sales. Jamie has been in the water industry for over 20 years. He's a NACE Level 3 Certified Coatings Inspector and has helped hundreds of customers successfully take their water tanks out of service while managing their system's pressure. Jamie, thank you for joining me on the McGuire Iron Podcast. Thank you, Brian Cooper. Pleasure to be here. So today we're going to talk about managing system pressures and taking tanks offline. This is becoming uh, a bigger thing in our industry from your perspective, from the customers you talk to, from your sales team, from the shows uh, you go to, what is your sense of this in the industry? Well, it is becoming more difficult for a lot of the new operators. Uh, several of our operators have you know, retired, moved on. Um, and so the new people coming in have never had to do this. And so for a variety of reasons, they're almost reluctant to almost do it. Um, the number one reason is obviously you take the tank out of, out of service, they can lose system pressure. And how are they going to keep people up with water? Uh, so the aging workforce moving out, um, they sit back, they're nervous, they're scared. They don't want don't to have to do something wrong and have to answer to counsel. Um, the other thing is maybe their system can't keep up with the peak demands that their towns need. They don't know quite how to calculate out their peak demands. So sometimes it's easier just to say, no, don't want to do it. Um, valves, you know, a lot of people say, well, we can't isolate the tank because we haven't exercised our valves in 20 years. Um, so it's one of those with one of the programs that I think gets lost, um, on communities. It's just, they don't have the time and the resources to actually go and do a good exercise, valve exercising program. And then there's other things that are operational. Well, if you're feeding, backwashing your filters using the pressure from your elevated water tower and you take that out how are you now going to backwash your filters at the water plant so those are some of the the main reasons and ultimately it boils down to there's never a good time they're always hesitant to do it um, but the, you know the new guys coming in it has to be done maintenance can't be ignored what are the reasons an owner would have to take their tank offline? Well, predominantly, it would be for washing out and cleaning and inspections. Those should be done on a you know regular basis, and depending on your water quality, more frequently than others. But AWWA will tell you you should wash your tank out at a minimum once every five years. It's out of service for a day or two days, uh, depending once you get your samples done. But when you start taking a tank out of service for maintenance, painting either the inside or the outside, um, and that's right, painting the outside of your tank, take the water out of the inside so it doesn't condensate. Um, so, but you, so you have to have the tank drained for those, and those are a little bit longer processes. The outside of your water tank only can be anywhere from five to seven days uh, that you may want to have your tank out of service. Uh, then the inside, it takes seven days just for curing um, most coatings. So you can be out of service for three, two to three weeks uh, or longer, depending on the size of your tank. And that's where people get a little bit more nervous of having their tank offline. So let's start at the beginning. When a customer says, all right, I have to take my tank offline, 
I don't know how to do that. What are the questions that need to be asked to get us to a point where we can say, here are the different things that can be provided to take that tank offline? Well, we get talked about what is their peak demand. So we start looking at how many gallons of water they do a day on an average. What does their wells produce? Or are they buying water from a municipality or a rural water district? How are they getting their water? And what will the pumps provide into the community while their tank is offline? So those are some of the main things that we start looking at is when we take that off, how are we going to maintain pressure? Um, and what is that pressure we're trying to replace? For every 2.31 feet of elevated water equals one pound of pressure. So we want to make sure that the pressure we're maintaining at the water tank will also make sure that the pressure we're getting at the other parts of the city or community. Um, and so we just start managing that system pressure all the way through. But peak demand, flow rates, uh, we start looking at large consumers. Uh, what is their demands? Are there uh, factories or other customers who may have chillers or boilers that have large draws of water at a single use versus just the regular, oh, daily life uh, uses, you know, 80 gallons per household or per person per day is the average usage. So you talk about usage, but what are some of the things also that we need to know about their system as it pertains to distribution around the water tank to help them decide what the best solution is for taking this tank out of service? Well, time of length is one of the things we want to look at. If we're doing a simple washout, we can simply say, will your pumps provide enough pressure to maintain this area, your community, your service area for so long? Um, that's one of the things. Are you able to um, make sure that if you're doing a pressure relief valve, is there places for water to go? So we're just watching and monitoring total water usage in the town, uh, electrical usage on their wells to make sure that maybe they could be suited for VFDs. Those are the questions that we're really starting to ask uh, when we get in there because we are taking off their system pressure, their emergency water. We're taking off all of the things that are needed on a day-to-day -day basis. So there's always risk associated with taking your tank offline and minimizing that risk is the job. Explain to the listeners, what are the options for taking a tank offline? And then we'll kind of dig into each one and help explain and draw a picture for people of what that kind of looks like. Uh, there are really four different ways that people can do um, I guess inline water valves is, is one way that they could do it. Variable frequency drives is another way um, that we could do them. Temporary water vessels or storage tanks uh, is a third. And then of course, pressure relief valves. And then I separated my valves into different categories uh, because a pressure relief valve is really a temporary valve and you can put some inline valves that can be a little bit more permanent that you can use on and off uh, through years of service. So let's start with a pressure vessel. When you're talking about a pressure tank or a pressure vessel, explain to the listeners what that is and how it works. A uh, pressure vessel uh, basically is a lot of people are familiar with the propane gas tanks. The one thing we do now is we push the water into the pressure vessel and 
you cannot compress liquids. You can only compress gases. So there is an air pocket that sits at the top of the, or in the top of the water vessel, and that acts as a spring. So as we start to increase the amount of water in there, it pushes on the air spring, if you will, which in returns is what generates and pushes down on the water, providing that pressure that is necessary in the community. As water starts to leave, that air spring that's at the top of the tank starts to expand, and then that starts to reduce that pressure. As soon as we get low enough, the pressure gate or the uh, sensor will turn on the pumps again filling the pressure tank back up and it's just a regular cycle and all we've done is we've taken the same um, pressure of the water tank and turned it into the pressure tank using that air spring to, to control the pressure in the system so doing this keeps the pressure the same as having a tank in service the thing that it doesn't do is provide emergency water that is correct and depending on the size of your community you can have a variety of different sizes of tanks you may have to have them in different areas you may need some pumping there's a variety of things that can go with that pressure tank uh, but the the nice thing about them is is it's a simple and easy setup you basically go to your fire hydrants flush your fire hydrant clean off the uh, fire hose adapters, you run your pressure vessel through some fire hoses into the tank. And by doing that, then you would just be able to just run your water that way through the system. And yes, it does remove the elevated water tank, providing just the service of water to keep your community going. Now, if there's a fire, if your pumps are large enough, when they turn on, it's going to sense that pressure drop when an emergency service, your pumps may be large enough to actually provide the fire water necessary or the emergency water that's necessary. The one thing I would always say is even in the use of a pressure vessel, make sure that you go ahead and you also put pressure relief valves on the system because when the water turns on in the pumps, we want to make sure we can eliminate water hammer from the system. We are trying to put as less strain on your piping in your system as as little as we can. So what are some of the other pros and cons when it comes to using a pressure vessel to take your tank offline? Well, one of the pros is it's very easy to set up um, because you just put it onto the fire hydrant. Depending on where your controls are to control your pumps, it can be as simple as they're already at a well house. And so by turning the valve to your pressure, to your water, elevated water tank off, it just automatically senses that and it, and there's no additional wiring or hookups necessary. If you have a pressure transducer on the tank side of the valve, the distribution valve, then you may have to do some moving so it won't register zero when you drain the tank and just want to keep the pumps running constantly. So there's some little things like that. The, the con to uh, that, to temporary water storage vessels, is the cost. There's the rental costs associated with it. You have to haul them. You may have to haul them great distances because there's not a lot of suppliers in the country where you can get the appropriate size for your community. So there are there are some downsides. It's really on the cost side of it, but overall the operational side of it is easy. 
So that's the pressure vessel option. The next thing you had talked about was variable frequency drives. Explain to the listeners what a variable frequency drive is and how it works. A variable frequency drive basically will control the speed of the motor at your pumps. And what it will do is it will speed up or slow down to maintain a system pressure. So as long as you have um, the pressure running, it's, it's set at a standard. It may run up to as high as 60 hertz, which is full capacity, and it can drop down as low as it needs to, and just, just say 50 hertz uh, for an example, just enough to maintain 10 gallons of water to maintain that system pressure when you're running at three o'clock in the morning and we're just maintaining some minor leaks that are in the system. So we're just, so by doing that, it gives us the ability to just run on a steady, easy flow. And the nice thing about a VFD by doing that is it really has an opportunity to eliminate water hammer. And while your water tank is out of service, we just have a steady flow of water from the drive, uh, from your motors going out into the system. So those are the pros of having a variable frequency drive. What are the cons to using this type of system to manage your pressure? A lot of places we go to don't actually have backup generators. And the problem with that is if you were to lose power in a storm or for some freak accident, no power at the well house uh, or at the pump house, you have no way to provide water to your community. So it always is nice to have a backup generator as a, you know, just in case those things happen. That is one of the downside. The other thing is it's an electronic and electronics eventually get old. They can, they have the chance to fail. And if you only have one of them on your system, you don't really have a backup or redundancy with that. So uh, while VFDs are great, here again, they are electronics and they don't always operate as smooth as we would want them to. So that's the second option. And the third option you talked about is valves. And you separate these into a couple different categories, which is pressure relief valves and cycle stop valves. Let's start with the pressure relief valve and explain to the listeners what those are and how they work. A cycle stop valve is really a very fancy uh, lack of better terms, butterfly valve, but it regulates the pressure on the pump side as well as to the distribution side. And while the ver- while the variable frequency drive would speed up the motor or slow down the motor to get the water into the system, what a the cycle stop valve will do is it will actually just change the head pressure on the pump and only allow as much water past the valve that is necessary to maintain the system pressure. So your pump is running at a full 60 hertz basically the whole time, but then here again, just opening and closing as necessary to allow enough water to go past to maintain the system pressure in the system. What are the cons of going with a cycle stop valve versus some of the other options? Well, the guys at Cycle Stop Valve will tell you there are no cons, but my same thing with the pump is if you've take, if you've inserted one of these as your whole system, make sure that you have some kind of backup power. Um, the one thing that is handy, though, is if you have a motor out um, and you have a two-pump system, 
then if this is in the distribution side of both of those pumps, either pump would be able to maintain that system pressure for you. So that is the nice thing versus a drive per pump. Um, and if that motor were to go out or that pump were to fail or something, then your whole system would be shut down. With a cycle stop valve, you would have the ability to just turn on the second pump and not have to worry about anything else because then that valve is in the distribution line managing that system pressure. Um, just sometimes just getting the valve hooked into the already existing piping can be kind of costly and expensive. Where do you put it? How do you cut into the pipe? Um, is there a vault necessary? Do you need to build a vault? Um, so a lot of places that would have to be added. And so just getting the hooking up and the wiring and all that done can be kind of time consuming and expensive depending on your layout. The other option for your valves is a pressure relief valve. Explain what that is and how that works in your system. Pressure relief valves have been used probably longer than any one of those systems uh, for managing water systems. Basically, the great thing about this is you can put it on a fire hydrant, turn on your pump, and it's just going to send water out through your distribution system. And at the end of the pressure relief valve is an adjusting nut that allows you to tighten it to increase your pressure in your system or loosen it up to, um, to lower the pressure in your system. And you can basically set it to hold the pressure in your community or your system. And by doing that, um, when peak demand takes place, the valve will close, uh, won't let as much water out of the system. And then in three o'clock in the morning, when water usage is at its lowest, it will open up and put more water out onto the ground. Um, very simple, very easy to use, but it is tough for a water operator whose goal is to minimize water loss to sit back and watch water coming out of this thing 24 hours a day, seven days a week while their tank is being painted. Uh, so for one or two day washouts, it's a little bit easier. Because, yeah, the putting the water on the ground is a big thing because you're they've already paid to treat that water. And so that water loss is money loss because, you know, they've treated the water already. Well, and it's also perception. If we say, hey, we got to raise our water rates, and then your community sees water going all the way on the ground, they're like, well, why are you being so wasteful? Um, in certain parts of the country, you know, you can produce water somewhere as little as $1.25 per thousand, but there are also a lot of communities that are buying water anywhere between three twenty-five and five twenty-five per thousand. So when you actually start to look at taking a tank offline, which of these systems are you going to use? Cost is absolutely always one of the things that we have to look at, think about, um, because of that exact thing. If you're buying water at $5.25 and per thousand, and then you are going to be losing 200 gallons a minute coming out of a pressure relief valve for a month straight, well, maybe you could buy a $6,000 VFD, get it installed with a pressure transducer and lose zero water and have the pressure relief valve as a backup to it. Always, whenever you're doing any project and you're making changes to the system, I will say 
put a pressure relief valve in place. It is a backup system. It is a way to make sure that you can always keep water going through your, your distribution line if something happens to the water tank. If you're up north, it could freeze. It, you could get a bullet hole. Whatever it may be, having the ability to go to an emergency system with a pressure relief valve is always better than boil orders. Right. What recommendations? <laughs> yeah. What recommendations do you have for uh, owners, operators who are like, hmm, I have to have work on my tank done, but I don't know how to take my tank offline. What's my next step? Where, where do you go from there? The first thing to do is talk to your water tank expert, making sure that they get a chance to come out, evaluate your system bring the checklist of questions about that system so the proper system can be derived. With every single one of these, there may be a cost associated with it. You may already have variable frequency drives already in place, but you haven't got them programmed on a pressure transducer, so you may have to have somebody come out. If the pressure tank is the most cost-effective way to do it, you have to evaluate those, but start with your water tank expert giving them the opportunity to come evaluate the work on the tank, give you a time frame that you think it's going to take, and then run through those options and take a look at your system. Take pictures of the wells, gather the data, uh, look at the horsepower, the amperage, the voltages that are necessary to run those. So if a VFD is used, great. If it's a small pressure tank, great. Um, where I'm at in Kansas, Brian, the rural water system actually has a small pressure tank that given them enough notice, they can bring out to you and help you hook it up. And the only thing associated with that may be the dues, um, or maybe they charge you a little bit of mileage to bring it. Um, so there, there's a lot of things, but let's figure out what the right system is, evaluate the costs of each one, and then make a knowledgeable decision about how to move forward. And based on your experience, how early is too early to have these conversations? Never too early. You need to be prepared and know what your plan is going to be in an emergency situation. It may be, I want to buy a pressure relief valve and I want to have it on my system uh, so I can put on my system at a moment's notice so I could do that. But why not always have the plan in place? If you are looking at some other types of equipment, maybe you are looking at a cycle stop valve as a, as a solution, but let's put it into our capital improvements budget, right? Or you're not, more than likely, you're not going to go buy a pressure tank unless you're somebody at McGuire Iron and we have our tanks and we can go out and do something like that. But variable frequency drives can cost money. They vary based on the horsepower amperage that you're running there's costs associated with it. So get into the capital improvements plans, get ready, plan for the future. The one thing we do know is that maintenance on water tanks doesn't go away. Regardless of what kind of tank you have, what kind of water you have, maintenance needs to be done on all water tanks, whether it's cleaning, vents, overflows, painting, uh, bolt tightening, even if you had a bolted tank and you need to get them resealed periodically. Every tank requires maintenance. So be prepared, have a plan. So when that maintenance time comes, you're ready to go. How many customers do you see a year that, you know, have these kind of issues and could could benefit from this type of service where it's like, hey, have a plan, call your expert and let's let's take the, you know, you talk about the new operators that don't know. 
instead of being kind of paralyzed by that fear of not knowing, call your expert and come up with a plan. Uh, just this morning, I've already had two of them. It is very, very free, frequent. And it is just, how are we going to do this? We know the work needs to be done. So I would say on average, I talk to about 50 to 60 customers a year just walking them through their system and helping them devise the right solution. Um, and that's because of those questions that are asked early. So the water tank experts out on the road will say, hey, I met with somebody, they know they need to do this work, but this is going to be a hurdle. Uh, so one of the things we do is try to address that in the process of making the renovations as part of a large package so they can say, okay, this is the cost associated with the tank. Here's the cost associated with taking it offline. So the water board or the water district or the community knows the total cost of the project and not just, you know, this one here, that cost there. And then eventually it's twice as much as they had anticipated. How much peace of mind with the customers you work with does it give them when a solution is able to be found because they don't know how they're going to solve this problem? You know what? They actually will always be nervous. Anytime you take a tried and true water system and you have it up, you know, running normally, there's always a sense of nervousness. And usually we try to put in the system a week before the crews show up to do the work. So they have a week to test the system while their water tank is still full, trying to show them hey, this works, give them that peace of mind, Get let them relax. And they never truly relax until it's completely done because here again, they're the ones who get questioned if there's an issue or if there happens to be a problem, that emergency does happen while the tank is offline. They're the ones who have to answer. So uh, we do our best to provide as many redundancy issues as we can. Like I said, there's always a little bit of risk associated with it. It's how do we minimize that risk? We know maintenance has to be done, so let's take the steps necessary to minimize the risk while that maintenance is being performed. All right, Jamie, thanks for joining us today on the podcast and you know helping the listeners understand a little bit about pressure relief valves and variable frequency drives and pressure vessels and all the different ways to help uh, take tanks offline and maintain system pressure because, as you talked about, this is becoming a large issue that, you know, is going to continue to be an issue. So solving these problems for customers one at a time is, is the way it needs to be done. Thank you, Brian. You have a wonderful day. Remember, you can always connect with us by going to our website, mcguireiron.com. You can ask questions by sending us an email at info at mcguireiron.com, or you can follow or reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us on the McGuire Iron Podcast.